Eating is such a vivid experience, and eating with others is pretty intimate. We use all five senses, sight, smell, touch, taste, and sound. All five. (laughs) What else do you use all five senses for? So when we have an experience that surrounds a meal, it only heightens the memory. As Marcel Proust wrote, I feel something start within me, something that leaves its resting place and attempts to rise, something that has been embedded like an anchor at a great depth. I do not know yet what it is, but I can feel it mounting slowly. I can measure the resistance. I can hear the echo of the great spaces traversed. Will it ultimately reach the clear surface of my consciousness? This memory, this old dead moment, which the magnetism of an identical moment has traveled so far to importune, to disturb, to raise up out of the very depths of my being? I cannot tell. Now I feel nothing. It has stopped. And perhaps sunk back into its darkness from which who can say whether it will ever rise again? Ten times over I must essay the task, must lean down over the abyss, and each time the cowardice that deters us from every difficult task, every important enterprise, has urged me to leave this thing alone, to drink my tea, and to think merely of the worries of today and my hopes for tomorrow, which can be brooded over painlessly. And suddenly the memory revealed itself. Rosa Tran, and you're listening to Taste of Regret. Joining us today is my friend Rebecca. Hi. Hi, thank you for joining us. Of course. So, why don't you tell us about yourself? My name is Rebecca. I'm 34 years old. Um, I identify myself in many ways, but one of them is in constant recovery from some kind of eating disorder. So, when did this start? So I think for me, um, developing a certain kind of, I would say, disordered relationship with food um, started when I um, when I found out that I had Crohn's disease. And for most of my childhood, I never thought about what I was eating or how I was eating. Um, food was put in front of me and I ate it and I saw food as like something that I always enjoyed and I never questioned it, but I was always very aware that there were things that I ate uh, or that my brothers ate that my mom didn't eat. And my mom had her own diet of things that like adult women eat. And what was that? Salad. Just salad, like uh, iceberg lettuce salad or? It was always romaine lettuce. And she used to always make this chicken for herself. And I just remember like that was mom food. And like the kids would eat whatever we were going to eat. And my mom was always eating like this thing. And uh, and she never looked like she was particularly enjoying it either. But it was like her duty to eat that. And, uh, and, I, and I guess to your point, I always thought to myself, well, one day I'm going to have to give in to 
that way of being. Mm-hmm. And I'm, but now I get to enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. So when I found out that I had this um, digestive disorder, um, I, I was still eating the way that I always ate, but I was um, not fe- feeling pretty terrible and also losing a tremendous amount of weight at an age when like, you know, you're a teenager, your yeah. people are growing and changing boys and girls. And I was like almost changing in all the wrong ways, which was, I was like losing a lot of weight and anemic and not feeling great. But at the, at the same time, there was like this little twinge of happiness in me because I was like, oh, I can still eat like a kid and I'm not gaining any weight. And I had quite a few friends who their bodies were changing in all the right ways. And they used to ask me, well, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And yes, I was active. I was on sports teams and I was running around and doing all those things. But like the truth was I was losing weight because I was not well and I felt terrible. But at the same time, I was kind of happy because it sort of delayed the, um, the inevitable. And then, um, after many months of being very, very ill, um, got on a plan that helped me and I got better, but, but then I gained a lot of weight and freaked out. Do you remember how much you weighed? Yeah, I was 124 pounds and I'm five foot two. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was like, uh, I, I was going to, I was like losing my mind. So once you gained all that weight, then it was this loss of control for you. And you just kind of, you hated yourself, so to speak. And you just kind of almost took it out on yourself. You Mm -hmm. just would not eat. I was, I was not great about eating. I had a lot of rules about eating things I wouldn't eat, times I wouldn't eat. Um, it became like a game with myself for sure. And then at this exact, about a year after all of that was happening, my parents got divorced and it was like, it was a, they had a very, very nasty divorce. And did you know it was coming? No, not at all. It was a complete, you know, much like getting sick. It was a complete surprise. And um, just felt like already a little bit out of control. Mm -hmm. And then when all of that was happening, feeling even more like, you know, food continued to be this thing that, that I could control and I could use to control my, uh, my relationship with myself, basically, like you're saying, you know, you, you take it out on yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it became a way of feeling like I was uh, not just in control, but that like I was per- like perfect in a way um, that no matter what chaos is happening around you, uh, how do I describe it? It's when you're watching um, when you're watching your family fall apart, you're watching this. It's like, it's like watching a house burn down mm-hmm. and if you feel like you can, <laughs> you can still keep your bedroom looking really neat and tidy and Even making the bed. Even though everything else is on <laughs> yeah. fire. Yeah, everything's yeah. on fire. But, uh, but you know, your your bedroom, you know, the the bed is still made and the sheets are still are still pressed. And um, it it made me feel like I was okay, even though everything was falling apart. And um, 
And so it just, it just made things worse for me. Sure. Um, I think also, um, it becomes this game of, um, withholding and indulging. And so you, you see all of this pain around you and your family and people you love. And, um, I would indulge in these like really extravagant foods and then, and then like not eat for days afterwards. Um, and found like this very like, like sort of like masochistic pleasure in that. And, um, and it, it became, it, it's really, I feel really pathetic talking about it, but it sort of became like a very focal point in my life when there were so many other really exciting things happening, like being in college and having friends and studying exciting things. And yet, um, so much of my time and energy was spent on this. So in dealing with your with your eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Did your family know your father was a gastroenterologist? Like how was, you know, the treatment after a certain point with this, you know, drug for leukemia, it was working. And, Mm -hmm. and then if you weren't eating visually, you would, you know, my mom would be like your skin and bones. Like, why are you not eating? Or my father the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, no, not really. Um, It never really came up. Um, my mom found me annoying. I think that was her way of caring. Um, I look and let me just say, I love my parents very much, but they, I, I don't know. I think that my dad never mentioned it. Um, and my mom was kind of like, you're very annoying to eat with. You don't, cause you don't eat anything and just push everything around on your plate. I'm like, okay. Um, her, her way of couching both when I was uncomfortably chubby and then uncomfortably thin was it's really difficult to take you shopping. Nothing fits you on either end. <laughs> so, and I don't think she meant it in a bad way. Um, I don't know. They, they didn't know what to do with me, you know, I, I don't know. I don't I don't blame them. I think they just didn't know what to do. I think they were I think they were overwhelmed with themselves and their life and their life choices. I have two younger brothers that were a bigger handful than me. And you know, I think they were trying their best, but um uh I was I was upset that they I wanted them to to notice more than they did. So because of your relationship with food and your mother with her relationship with food, Mm -hmm. did you guys connect over that? We did, um, but we were always out of sync with it. And I think that by the time, like I think it was really hard for her to look at me engaging in that behavior, you know, while she was trying to move past it or had reached that phase of her life where like she couldn't keep up with it anymore or just didn't want to, or even if she was, it wasn't working in the way that it used to. Mm -hmm. Does she still do it now? Oh yeah. 
but she's better about it. I mean, she's healthier now, like just the way that she lives her life and the choices she makes. But I mean, she'll have, she'll always be never eating enough. So just going back to, to your, your disorder and just kind of like what triggers it and kind of, you know, when, when you would starve yourself, like, how did it feel? I mean, I don't want to say it felt good, but, but it did. And it still does. I mean, because it, it feels good because you're in control of the situation or it feels good because you're, you're on a, it's your high. It's definitely, it's definitely a high, but it's also because I'm able to be stronger than strong, like stronger than myself, I guess, where, um, I'm able to rise above my own weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I tie it very much into something I used to do a lot of, which is long distance running. And I think they're very, you know, intricately related, which is it's, it's like this uh, stamina to subsist for so long mm-hmm. on nothing, but you're literally your own ambition being able to to withhold um that kind of um need for sustenance it was a combination of making me feel really strong and able to face anything mm-hmm. including um the fear of like when i was really sick and also just y- if you have all this anxiety about like what you're putting in your body and and how it's ruining you if you're not eating anything then y- then you can't be doing anything wrong and some of the times in my life where um, this manifested the worst for me were times when if I broke out of the routine of like the five things that I thought it was okay to eat, it would be literally enough to send me into a complete meltdown. And it was kind of embarrassing, actually. <laughs> what were the five things? Um, it was, okay. Oh, and there's no judgment here. <laughs> okay, it was like... It was like two kinds of cereal, cottage cheese, broccoli, gum, a certain kind of turkey that I had to either buy or I would make it myself, and baby carrots and peanut butter. That was basically something. That was like basically my diet for like many, many years, except except when like I'd go out to dinner and I'd plan like these events where like I'd go out to dinner with friends or if I knew I was seeing my family or, you know, like these special occasions or just like socializing where I would like, I'd plan my whole week around the opportunity to, you know, to eat things that weren't like these foods that I felt safe eating on my own. Right. Did you just eat before you got there or... Oh, no, no. I would, if I knew that I was going to be like, that's like what I would eat if I was on my own. But if I knew that I was going to be like in a scenario where I wouldn't be like, I was going to be going out, then like I would like plan ahead to like enjoy myself. But it involved like all sorts of, you know, all sorts of 
of things in order to make myself feel okay to enjoy myself. Um, so you would prep for this event. So say like Sunday night, next Sunday, mm-hmm. you're going out to meet your family. You would just not eat. Oh, I definitely wouldn't eat all day, but then, you know, I used to exercise a lot and I would like, I just, it became like such a, like the act of eating this meal that I was anticipating involved like all of this planning in advance and not planning because you're making it just planning to sit down and enjoy and it. enjoy it. Yeah. And I don't think I'm alone. I think there's a lot of people who do this, but I look back on it and I realize how completely ridiculous it was. And yet at the same time, I couldn't stop myself. I still like, I still have all of those feelings. I just think my willpower in some ways has diminished because it's gone into other things. I'm older now and I have a lot of other bigger problems and I, I physically don't have the energy to get upset, but it doesn't mean that it's gone. Mm -hmm. So was there someone in your life who, who helped you get over this kind of like this anxiety and kind of change your perspective on food? Well, Yes. There were two people. One was, I mean, one was a therapist that I was seeing who helped. She helped. I've seen therapists over the years for many reasons. I think everyone should go to therapy. I'm a big believer in it. But, um, well, so I got into a relationship with somebody when I was 24 who really broke me of a lot of the really intense anxieties around food because he reminded me about why food is so great and not like, not like, Oh, because you starved all week to go eat one really great meal on Sunday and then felt bad about it. Um, he got me to appreciate food because he appreciated me and it was something that we enjoyed doing together And, um, it became less of a, instead of the conversation, like you said earlier, where, oh my God, are you going to eat that? Which I had a lot of that in my life before. Right. Um, he was like, oh, it's Sunday. Like, let's go to Fred 62 and eat an ice cream Sunday. Cause it's, cause it's Sunday. Cause it's Sunday. And it would be fun. Yeah. And, um, and he really, you know, because I liked him and because he, um, he got me to loosen up about a lot of things, including food. And I, and as a result, I was, and I was happy mm-hmm. and I was doing things in my life that were better for me. And I was getting more in touch with who I was as an adult. And at the time that I met him, um, I was ready to perhaps be a little bit less, I, I really wanted to be less rigid and mm-hmm. he made it okay. And I think he did help me in a lot of ways to kind of just loosen up and not tie so much of my self-esteem to like what I was eating and whether I could control that. And also I wasn't particularly fun to be around because it's just, it, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't that fun to be like, oh, I'm going to, everyone's going to the diner and I'm going to have 
a tea and sugar-free jello. Like that's just not the fun person to be around. And also it, like I didn't enjoy that. I just right. felt like it was something I had to do. Right. Um do you still feel that to this day that you still have to have that tea and sugar-free jello? Oh yeah, definitely. That's always at the back of your mind. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but he helped you let go. Of he that. helped me let go. And I I think that I think he permanently helped me let go even though a lot of the letting go that he opened me up to really backfired for me in my own mind. Mm. At the time, it was ex- it was extremely helpful because, like you're saying, you know, when you're like, oh, my God, when I'm hungry, I'm just hungry. And what I realized when I started, like, actually eating, like, eating again, not what I thought was eating, like, really just putting food back in my body in a in a in a more, um, in a positive way. Yeah. Um, that's the word I'm looking for a positive. Um, I actually felt my brain expand and I, I felt that I reached a completely new level of my own creativity and intelligence and curiosity about the world. And I truly don't believe that any of the things that I'm doing now, I would have been capable of if I kept starving myself because I was, you know, I, I physically looked how I thought was perfect, but I think that mentally I was really doing myself a disservice because I was so focused on, on like, you know, when I was or wasn't eating and I wasn't really th- using my brain for the things that it was truly capable of right. being. And for him, for that, I am extremely grateful to this, to this boy that I dated at the time. But, but then of course, um, it did backfire in some ways because our relationship ended badly. And then I felt that he didn't like me anymore because, because I gained weight and I became, I wasn't this little tiny invisible thing anymore. I had a presence and I, I, I really worried that he didn't like the presence that I became. And that's why he broke up with me and I'll never know. but I can't be, I I can't be resentful of that because I'm at the same time thankful for the fact that I'm, I'm not that person anymore, even though there are days that I wish I were. Right. Did you guys cook together? We did all the time. What'd you guys make? Well, we used to, we used to make dinner together all the time. Um, he had this really great walk. And we used to make all these like really good vegetables and stuff. But our favorite thing to make together was a chocolate souffle. And we made it probably a hundred times. And we got really good at it. <laughs> we were really, really, really good at the chocolate souffle. Um, and he was really funny. He was very possessive about food. And so like more like because he was a slow eater and felt like, he didn't want people. I was a fat, I'm a, I was a fast eater because I grew up with brothers. And if you didn't eat fast enough, all the food was gone. Yes, of course. I don't need to tell you that yeah. youngest of nine children. Yeah. <laughs> he was a slow eater, but very protective of his food. He because probably an only child. He has no idea. He was an oh. only child. <laughs> um, and uh, so he wanted to take his sweet ass time. 
So we, you know, but it was funny because we both had roommates at the time and he'd be like, no, nobody's touching this, the chocolate souffle. But we were really good at the chocolate souffle and I really enjoyed that. And it was something that like I would never make or eat on my own, but because we made it together, I really enjoyed it and it was fun and it was like a cool process. Um, and it was never fancy. We never made it bigger than like, it was probably like nine inches across in one of those like, uh, what are they called? Those those like ramekins, ramekins, uh-huh. but like the bigger ones, mm-hmm. you know. And it was fun. It yeah. was like a, it was a, it was a good, it was a good delight, uh, like something to indulge in without feeling too bad about it because you like made you like took the time to make it. Mm-hmm. And that was in two thousand. Oh gosh, that was like. 2007 to 2010. And you haven't had one since? A chocolate souffle? Mm -hmm. No. Nor would you make one on your own? I'd never make it. Well, I've made you one today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But I've made two, so I will eat it with you. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to eat it together. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. It's funny. Like, I always say I don't really like chocolate, but that's a complete lie. Oh, you love chocolate. I do love chocolate. I love chocolate. <laughs> I do. love chocolate. I'm always like, eh, I don't really like chocolate that much. It's a complete lie. <laughs> I like you know it. what? We're going to take back this dish. This chocolate souffle <laughs> is yours, and you are going to take it back. You're going to eat it today. You're going to enjoy it. And okay. You're going to be like, F this. Okay. This is mine, and I'm going to start making this again, and I'm going to eat this, and it's going to make me happy. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to be okay with it. Well, I think, I think part of the being okay with it is, um, like feeling okay to eat it alone. It's like, there are things that I never let myself eat unless I was with other people or, or another person. Mm -hmm. And even like a lot of the things we've been talking about, it was like the withholding on my own to enjoy with other people and, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to, I think I'm excited to eat it. I'm, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to feel, but I'm excited that you made it. So we're going to eat it. I, I'm I'm excited. I think. I'm excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Time has arrived. Souffle time. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> And it's got this perfect rise. I was so worried that I no, would get the rise. No, no, you got it. <laughs> okay. You psyching yourself up? I am. How does it feel? It doesn't even smell this in front of you. It smells delicious. It's good. Okay. All right, so we try it. Mm-hmm. It's hot. Don't forget Oh, wow. Where is this taking you to? I had this apartment. um, So um, I remember that um, briefly, like, you know, he was figuring things out. He ended up leaving L.A., but for a little while we lived together. It was only like two months, but... I remember 
that we used to make the souffle in my apartment. And uh, it was like the nicest place I'd ever lived on my own. It was like this cool studio apartment in a building that like had a pool and stuff. And, um, you know, it was all mine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and even though it was only for two months, he was living with me. And even though I kind of like knew we were going to break up because he had like this gotten this job elsewhere and then he was going to go to law school. And I knew this whole thing was going to fall apart, but for like two months, we got to like live in this world of, of us living together and us making chocolate souffle. And we made quite a few and they were really good. So now would you, would you make this again? And allow yourself to enjoy it by yourself. So. Ooh, that's a tough one. Maybe. Well, maybe I would now because, you know, doing something like this is a personal challenge. You know, you're always, it's like so cathartic. And then at the same time, you're like, oh my God, why did I agree to this? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, maybe I would. At the very least, I'd allow myself to make it for other people and enjoy it with them. With them, yeah. I'll take that. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. Hmm. Wow. So what's your relationship with food now? Um, I think it's better than it was. Um, or all right, let me rephrase the question. Yeah. How is your relationship with yourself now? Oh, I think I, uh, I think I'm, I think I'm becoming more okay with who I am and I like myself better than I used to. If I have to be honest, I, I don't know if I'll ever be as happy with how I look as I was in those years when... I was so good at being thin. I was so good at it. I was as good at being thin as I am now at working hard for the things I really want. But it's a trade-off because I've I've made peace with the fact that I don't think it's possible for me to look the way that I used to and have the things that actually really mean a lot to me. I think that we start to... Um, we actually start to like be okay with the things that aren't that important to us. But then we also kind of, we actually, in a in a way, learn to take care of the things that we love about ourselves and actually to not, um, like I think what I've discovered as, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 35 in October. And I think what I've discovered about myself is actually, like you're saying, to to really nourish and cherish the things about me that I do really like, you know, and not to just beat myself up about, about the things that I'm not. Right. Because you know what? Maybe I'm not going to be the person that, you know, spends four hours a day on my body. 
maybe I'm not that person. It doesn't mean I don't care. It doesn't mean that I don't take care of myself. It doesn't mean that in the future I won't spend more time. I wish I could spend that much time sometimes on my on my body. I feel great in the, when I am doing that. But at the same time, like there are there are things that really matter to me. And when I'm doing those things, I, I really feel like a beautiful person and I feel like I'm contributing something to the world and I feel, I feel at peace with myself. So yeah, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. This is such a special experience. I hope I gave you something to work with. Oh, yes. I hope you will eat a chocolate souffle again by yourself. I definitely will. I think that that was a really, um, I think that was a really important, um, it's a good thing for me to do that. We give love to others even when they don't deserve it. And we don't always give ourselves the love we need, especially when we need it. Self-love and hate is a constant scale that usually shifts to hate. But when love does tip the scale, you find peace with yourself. You find a difficult situation easier and you don't blame yourself. Today, I'm reminded to give myself the same amount of love that I am willing to give to others.